This is Plural Disease Title Health on Point in three, two. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Roger Fallabout, Director of Strategic Communications at Title Health, and this is Title Health on Point. And on the program today, we're discussing plural disease and a revolutionary new approach to treating that at Title Health Natacoke in Seaford. Back on the program with us, an old friend of Tidal Health on Point, Dr. Kurt Weyberg, cardiothoracic surgeon. And joining Dr. Weyberg on the show today is Bob Seeley, who is an RN with the Plural Disease Team. Guys, welcome to Tidal Health on Point. Good to see you. Thanks so much for having us again today, Roger. Look forward to it. Dr. Weyberg, we'll start with you. We'll make this as easy as we can. A little softball question off the top here. For those who don't know what plural disease is, can you define that for us? Great question, Roger. So in order to understand what pleural disease is, one must first understand what the pleural anatomy is. As a surgeon, they understand the anatomy very well, and they can explain what things are by using analogies. The pleura is basically two layers within the chest. Uh, the layers are about the thickness of a cellophane uh, that you see when you wrap food with. So imagine that the lung was wrapped with cellophane layer, and that's called the visceral pleura. The ribs are uh, 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 surrounded by a uh, cellophane layer called a parietal pleura. Now, if you can think of it, imagine in your brain that the lung does not connect to the ribs. There are two different spaces. So a lot of things can happen within that space called the pleural space. The most common uh, pleural disease problem that we see is what's called a collapsed lung. A, a collapsed lung occurs when the outside layer of the visceral pleura ruptures. So in other words, we cough, we sneeze, a rib fractures it or something like that, cause the lung to collapse. The air creates in that space and we have to put a tube in there to, to fix it. Another common problem that Bob sees a ton of it and he kind of manages the whole problem with our, with our hospital is fluid. And so these layers can create fluid. People who have lung cancer or other kind of cancers, uh, it gets very inflamed and the body creates a lot of fluid within that space. So we have to manage all that fluid because it can make people not breathe well. So there's a whole host of problems, tumors that can develop. So collapsed lung, fluid creation, tumors. I mean, there's a host of problems, in it, which affects about, about 5,000 people a year in our region. So question to either one of you guys. I would think some of that fluid that's in there is probably good fluid too because you've, you've got – You've got respiration happening, so you've got the lungs and you've got the rib cage, and they're moving independently. And I'm assuming that there's something in there to 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 create a, a smooth pass, so there's no friction between between the two. Also, another great question. Normally, the healthy human has about a half a coffee cup full of fluid to lubricate the lung while it inflates and deflates. So it's normal to have a little bit of fluid. Some of the fluid that we see, you know, half a coffee cup, we see gallons of fluid within a, a person's chest, and we have to drain that so they can breathe normally again. That'll affect their breathing quite substantially, and particularly with people with a lot of other medical problems as well. So, Bob, how would I know that I'm suffering from pleural disease? What are some of the signs, symptoms, things I'm looking out for? Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's, that's a great question. Um, you know, most of the time people come into the hospital or to their family doctor's uh, because they're having a difficult time breathing, and they don't understand why that's happening. They might have had a recent cold, pneumonias, other kinds of things. Kind of uh, feeding off of the analogy, if you think of eating a jalapeno and your body just starts to exude this fluid, 
something inside that pleural cavity is causing irritation. So the body's natural, I guess, abilities is to rinse away that impurity. So over time, what can happen is you develop these large amounts of fluid. And so typically what I'm seeing at the hospital are um, patients coming into the ED or getting phone calls from uh, clinics uh, throughout, throughout our county um, of people that are having difficulty breathing. So, Bob, question to you. How will I know that I have pleural disease? How will my body be reacting to it? How will I feel? Yeah, uh, great question. Uh, again, patients uh, come into either their primary offices or into the emergency department. Sometimes the immediate cares and they're having difficulty breathing. So, um, first thing that a physician might want to do uh, with difficulty breathing is get a simple chest x-ray. And from that alone, a lot of times we see um, fluid build up in those x-rays. And so, um, typically, again, it's a shortness of breath on just simple things, tying their shoes, getting from point eight, going to the bathroom, just simple things that uh, you should have reserved to be able to do those things. So. Dr. Weber, easy to confuse this with a heart issue? It sounds a lot like if I'm having issues with my heart, this is very similar. Great question. The most common symptom, as Bob said, is shortness of breath or I can't breathe. I, just, I, don't, I can't catch my breath. But another common symptom is pain. So often when patients come into the doctors or the emergency room, they say, I'm having a lot of pain in my chest. And there's different kinds of pain. The kind of pain that pleural disease creates is, is a, what we call pleuritic pain. It's pain on deep inspiration. So if I take a deep breath, I feel incredible pain on the side. That's a different kind of pain than the elephant sitting on the chest. So Correct. we have to discern what kind of pain a person has when they come into the emergency room. And typically, as Bob alluded, we do all kind of uh, testing, chest x-rays, CAT scans. There's so many different tests we do in the emergency room now, which I call the fifth vital sign. We take a bunch of vital signs, and then we take them right to the CAT scanner, and we, we get all these tests to determine where the fluid is, what the pain's coming from, et cetera. There's a lot of tests we do in the emergency room. We're in the doctor's office that we can order. You touched on this a little bit earlier, but when you guys launched this program, not that long ago when I learned about it, I knew nothing about pleural disease. How common is this? I, I, I know you mentioned some cases earlier. Can you touch on that again? Typically, that's a very common problem that's under-treated, under-estimated, uh, and undervalued uh, in the healthcare system. And part of the reason is because in the past and historically, many different providers have managed this, this problem. Many uh, providers see this problem as a symptom rather than a disease. So it's often pushed underneath the cover. So if, say, for instance, somebody comes in with heart failure, one of the most common problems in healthcare. One of the, the symptoms of heart failure is pleural effusion or a bunch of fluid in the lung. Uh, so we kind of neglect the symptom first and then treat the overall, the overlying uh, thing that causes all the problems. And that's where healthcare providers don't really look at uh, this as a major problem. So what we have, you know, we have done over the past uh, year at Nanticoke is we developed a team to address all the issues, not just one symptom or not just one disease. We put everybody together and try to, to communicate together uh, in a fashion that will help the patient overall. And Bob, I know you had a huge role in putting this multidisciplinary team together. What was that like, and what was the reason behind getting all of these experts 
in in one room, if you will, or on one case to focus on the patient? Well, first of all, that population is a huge burden in the emergency department. So when it's not being treated effectively and it's just kind of being band-aided, if you will, um, the patient returns to the ED maybe 10 days later, maybe two weeks later, and we're still at the same, we still have the same prognosis. We're still uh, just tapping, uh, you know, somebody and getting the fluid out. So being on the forefront and working with, um, you know, radiologists, working with Dr. Uh, Dr. Weyberg, who has been instrumental in, like, building this team so that we can address the issues and not just, uh, not just uh, what's occurring. Uh, so working with our radio, uh, radiographic technologists, uh, other nurses, the nurse practitioners in and out of the hospital, we have one now that is at Dr. Kurt Weyberg's office uh, who is going to be helping us scheduling uh, some of these uh, some of these clients. So, yeah, it's a getting back to the question. It's it was a huge burden number one, and it's frustrating uh, when things aren't being managed well. Um, your primary doctors essentially are just ordering the thoracentesis is what we what we call in draining this fluid out. Over a period of time, the more times you uh, the more times that you tap into uh, these patients' pleural cavities, you're creating scarring. So over time, that's going to become ineffective or you're going to end up doing more harm than good. So by trying to focus on getting an answer as to what may be causing it, and one way that we do that is putting in what's called a pleurex catheter, which can stay in over a long period of time. We can do uh, testing, not only uh, tissue sampling, but also uh, fluid sampling without having to have multiple, uh, multiple procedures. So obviously you're getting to me before I'm symptomatic, which is key and very important in this. How does that benefit me? If I'm not coming into the emergency department already suffering from this, you guys are ahead of the curve and you're trying to prevent this from happening to me. Let me give you a great example of a patient I had uh, just recently, uh, probably about six months ago. Uh, this patient had end-stage heart failure, end-stage liver failure. So, uh, you know, when you combine liver, heart, and kidney failure. Yeah, some pretty serious complications. Very end-of-life kind of problem. Yeah. This gentleman was in the hospital for 13 times in one year. He was coming back and forth to the hospital 13 times in one year, just one year. And the first time he had a pleural effusion, the primary care ordered a tap. Bob tapped him. Uh, and then the, uh, the guy came back a month later for another problem. Emergency room tapped him, and no one was really uh, coordinating all these 13 taps. Uh, and one of the treatments, of course, is tap the fluid. Another treatment is to put a chronic tube in, which we all do as a team, but a pleurex tube. Since I put that pleurex tube in with the team, the patient has not been back to the hospital. So he went from 13 admissions to the hospital, enormous amount of health care costs, no one's talking, communicating on how to manage this patient to a simple coordinated event that takes five minutes to do with the team approached uh, managing it. And now this patient, I've been seeing him in my office where we have an outpatient clinic and he has not been back to the hospital one time since we put that pleurex through. So it's, it's a huge help, uh, benefit to the patient, 
to the hospital systems, to the payers. Everyone benefits from having a team approach to this. That's absolutely remarkable. Well, just to piggyback off of that as well, it also, it also keeps the patient home. You know, that's where they belong. They belong. They don't need to be stopping some medications in order to have a tap. We have a lot of different anticoagulation therapies out there now. And a lot of those you have to stop in order to, um, you know, to do these procedures because you don't want to risk. The benefits of the procedure should always outweigh the risks of it. So um, there's less doctor visits to stop medications, to have lab work drawn. Uh, again, you're keeping the patient at home with their families. I use the term revolutionary when we introduce this program and talking about this new team and this new procedure you have. Nobody else is doing this, right? I mean, well, you guys are on the cutting edge. I like to uh, move forward with that a little bit because there's really there's four ways why, which I think are revolutionary. The first way is the team approach. We're all communicating together. The patient's getting the best care. We're saving money for the hospital. It's the best thing for healthcare systems and patients. So it's revolutionary for team development. But there's also revolutionary on the types of procedures we're doing for patients now at Nanocoke uh, at Tuttle Health. First, we're doing these TAPS ultrasound guided. We're using very advanced ultrasound techniques to, to guide our catheters into the pleural space. And the complication rates are extremely low. So revolutionary in terms of uh, the way we put our catheters in. Second, the chest tubes we're putting, the pleurex tube is a very advanced catheter these days. It's very state-of-the-art. Third, we're doing these state-of-the-art uh, robotic procedures now. So that's created a whole world of robotic uh, procedures that we're doing for somebody who has what we call a loculated pleural fusion, where there's a bunch of cavities inside the chest. We'll go in there with a robot and break up these cavities and the patient's home the next day rather than staying in the hospital for about seven days. So it's revolutionary not only from the team approach, but it's also we're using revolutionary um, uh, procedures within our hospital to take care of these patients. And to be clear, so everybody understands, watching or listening, you're not cracking the chest open to do this. No, we're using minimally invasive ultrasound-guided techniques that are uh, advanced radiologic techniques, advanced robotic surgical techniques. This is really the cutting edge of medicine right now, what the procedures we're using in Tidal Health Nanocoke. Yeah, less blood loss, shorter hospital stays, great outcomes. I mean, how do you beat that? Right? I mean, that's, that's terrific stuff. And it's amazing. We're, we're helping more patients. That's the, the final revolutionary thing. We're, we're, get, we're getting access to more patients. And I just talked to Bob about this last week. We helped 125 patients in one month last year, last month. We went from a small program doing a couple cases a month to 125 cases a month. That's incredible. No other, uh, no other hospital in this whole region is doing that kind of uh, volume. So we're not only it's revolutionary because we're increasing access to patients who, who've had these problems all along, but we've never treated the right way. As a patient, can I self-refer to your program? Good question. Uh, the answer is yes. We have uh, a, a coordinated number that you can call on any of. It's uh, basically called Title Health Systems, and you dial Lung L U N G, and that gets you right to Bob's direct number during business hours. Uh, and then it goes to my cell phone after, uh, my personal cell phone after hours. We'll make sure we put that number up at the end of the show so that, so that people have that. But physicians can also refer, providers can also refer to your program too, correct? Absolutely. The most common way, method of referral is through Bob. Bob is kind of the gatekeeper 
he carry he carries around a phone that all the providers, the, the nurse practitioners in the community, the primary care physicians, emergency room doctors, the hospitalists in, in the hospital, they call one number, that lung number, and it goes right to straight to Bob, and then Bob enacts the whole team involvement. Let me get you guys out of here on this, and this is open to both of you again. How important is it for us to have this service at Title Health Natico and Seaford? Uh, it's imperative. I mean, we have a lot of uh, respiratory issues within our community. Um, I just, you know, in the past, we were doing maybe three to five a year. That doesn't include the thoracentesis that we do. We do probably 20 to 40 of those a month. And a lot of them are the same patients. So, um, you know, I work, I work Title Health Nanocoke. My family lives in the community. People ask me, why do you stay at a small hospital like this? Well, it's because my family's here and I want them treated well. Dr. Weyberg? I'd like to add the final part of the uh, revolutionary because this is really important. This comes from my guts, my, my soul. Um, in, in the past 30, 40 years that I've been in, in healthcare, uh, we have uh, worked in a paternal system where the doctor was at the top and everyone else was a hierarchy less underneath. This is completely different. And this is the first thing that Bob and I talked about. Bob, on our team, everyone's equal. The nurses, the RTs, the, everyone has an equal uh, positioning in this team effect. And, and that's, to me, the most important. Why is it so successful? Why is it making revolutionary change? It's because we're all equal. And we, we've talked about this many times. It's not about the doctor calling the shots. Everyone has equal input on this, and this is why it's been immediately so successful for the first year. You hear this mentioned a lot when you talk about Toyota and stopping the line, but I would think with this program too, anybody on that multidisciplinary team can stop the line and say, hey, wait, what about this? I agree 100% on that. Absolutely, yeah. Gentlemen, great to have you on the program. Dr. Weyberg, always good to have you here. Bob, good to meet you. Good to have you on the show. We'd love to have you guys back in a few months and see how this process is working, how the program is developing, and we hope you come back and see us again. Thank you again. Thanks, Thanks so much, Roger. Look forward to coming back. Thank you so much. And that will do it for this edition of Title Health on Point. As always, we're looking for great topics from you, like this plural disease team that we're talking about at Title Health Natticoke. If you have great ideas, I'll give you a couple of ways to get in touch with me. Number one, you can always email me at roger.fallabout at titlehealth.org. Or, you know, us old guys, we love to talk on the phone. So give me a call. 410-543-7142 will get you direct to my office and we'll talk about those shows that you would like us to do next here on Title Health on Point. For Dr. Kurt Weyberg and Bob Seeley, thanks again for being a part of the show today and we'll catch you on the next edition of Title Health on Points.